Hello, this is Gaming Perspectives with so? Angeline, and today we're broadcasting from Pacifica. Pacificon. <laughs> so Pacificon is in Santa Clara over Labor Day weekend. At the Marriott. At the Marriott, yes, at the Marriott in Santa Clara. So it is the first day, Friday. We are uh, recording right next to the registration. There's a lot of noise, as you can hear. It's the Vern's uh, son passing by. So uh, we, we got invited to come here by Mondo. We Gabriel Vega. Gabriel Vega. Uh, we did an interview him before we came came here uh, last last week. Yes. And uh, we're here recording. Uh, it was a very harrowing experience getting here because it was one of those Fridays where everything, you know, you got to do all kinds of stuff before you can actually go have fun at the convention. Yes. So, yes. And so, you know, it's Friday. Everybody's leaving. It's a long day. I mean, a long weekend. Yes. Labor Day weekend. So people are leaving town. And so traffic was a little bit more than normal. <coughs> and the Bay Area is known for its terrible traffic. It's not all that bad, but, you know, no, it's, it's not like LA, anywhere else, LA, New York, you know, those kind of places. So we're right in the middle of the hallway, so people are walking by, so most likely there's going to be lots of noise, and I'll try to stop saying so. I know that Saul doesn't <laughs> like to edit these. Yes, editing is a, these are a real pain in the butt, because I have to use a, a different uh, doll than I'm used to. Whatever that means. A digital audio workstation. So uh, we have a few things to talk about. One is uh, a big deal here at Pacificon. Pacificon is Protospiel. So Protospiel uh, has been here the longest than any other con. Uh, it it has, has quite a following. Uh, if you don't know what a Protospiel is, which somebody the other day asked me, it is. Uh, it is where people who are designing a board game come and test out their board games. Uh, with uh, people who either uh, are also testing out their board games or people who just want to try out uh, games that are in development. Board games mainly, I think, is specifically. Or card games. Or card games, right. Anything so tabletop. When you design a game, basically, you come to, you, you want to go to a protospiel where, I don't know if that's just a Bay Area word for it. No, it's German. I know the word is German. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if it's just Bay Area people. No, there's protospiels all over the place. You're going to want a lot of people to test it because right. if they don't test it, then you're never going to know if it's if it's good and it's going to and go it's also, ahead and be published. Yes, it's also a way of uh, this, when you can work out the kinks, as they say. There's that, and actually, uh, some publishers come to Pro Spiels and check out what what the talent is out there. And just so you know, you never know who the actual people who are going to make games are because they just look like you and me, well, or at least see. you. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, they look like anybody else. But, yes, yeah, so some some notary uh, p- uh, people who have been here have done well. It's, uh, uh, they design games that have gone on to be published. Luke Laurie is the only one that I remember off the top of my head. But but uh, if you looked at the program, there's at least four or five people who've gotten previous games published. And there's you know they're all in all stages of development. There's people who basically just have an idea, maybe have a... A piece of paper and some some tokens to people who have very finished products, rarely basically ready to be published, picked up by somebody to publish them, a publisher, and uh, be able to 
to publishing as soon as fast as they can. All they need is uh, maybe uh, just basically luck to be found out by a publisher or or a little bit of a what is it marketing or what do you call that exposure. It is called marketing. <laughs> so one of the things about Protospiels is Saul's brother Felipe. He did a he has always wanted to publish a game. Right. He's come up with all these different kinds of ideas. And he actually made this really cool Tecumel game. Yes. Although, I don't think you're allowed to call it Tecumel. Uh, well, he well, for personal use, he could call it if he wants. That's true. I but forgot. He goes, I think it was called uh, the Empire of the Peloton board game. That was really cool. Really neat. And yeah. So, I don't know if he took it. I know he took it to a couple of different portals. He took it to a design contest. A design contest. At KubaCon. It hasn't been published yet, but it's a lot of fun. And, and whether it ever gets published or not, every time we're at a convention and he has it, we ask him to bring it out so we can play it. When he was trying to do it, the kids were young. Um, our son and his were probably seven, eight, nine. Oh, yeah. They are pretty and young. they were complaining the whole time we were trying to play it. <laughs> because they were tired, so Felipe and I just kind of had to to go ahead and uh, and just play through the screaming. Right, right. But you know, the thing is, it it was kind of a mix between uh, 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 what is it? Uh, uh, can't remember now. Talisman. Talisman. Talisman, and a couple other, and this other game called Dar- uh, Minion Hunter, where where you basically Minion Hunter is that the one where you get stuck in the hospital? Yeah, that's the one. That's not a, not my favorite game, by the way. But that game, what happens is that uh, he took a big pause there because he was trying to find something. <laughs> something out of my wallet. So in Minion Hunter, you play a character, and that character gains experience, and with that experience, with that experience, he's able to, or she, is able to become stronger and more tougher. And uh, Talisman does the same thing. But uh, but he eliminated the going around around circle type of thing. You actually go to, to places in the world of of Tecumel and you do different quests. Which was very cool. It's really neat, and I really like the the way he designed it and stuff. But uh, what happened is is that it's based on a on a person's IP, right? And okay, what's a person's IP? Uh, uh, intellectual property. Oh, okay, sorry. And and that person's passed away, but they had but he has he set up a foundation to help make sure that. You know, that people know stuff that... Like a committee. Like, a, yeah, they have a committee to make sure that it's not misused, you know. He wants to keep it, uh, you know, preventing people from, like, publish, publishing a bunch of garbage. An example of something like that would be, like, Lord of the Rings, right? Right. The family only lets the rights go every right. once in a while. Right, every once in a while. And so, and so you, there's this foundation, and the foundation, my brother contacted, and they wanted $10,000... Right up front, it. just to be able no, just to be able to work on a game. Oh well. And then, and then he the, said those, no to that. Yeah, those other stipulations that they have is that they that they would own the, they would own the game, and so my brother would basically be working for them for free, and he said uh, no. So it was basically a labor of love. But what was funny about that game is that he was we took pictures of it at the previous conventions, and uh, back when there was uh, Google Plus. Somebody saw it, and you know, because he was in a Tecmo group, and they're going, "Oh, what is this game?" So he literally sent them all the files because it was all on computer, and they basically set up their own pen and paper one and played it, and they said it was really good and really fun. But these are people who are, you know, fans of Tecmo, right? Exactly. So the the proto spiel here at 
Pacific Con is in the Sedona room. If you're here tomorrow or Sunday. Or today. Or today. And it's really, they have a lot of, if you look at the list of games and people who are presenting games, and sometimes they present more than one because these people, you know, these people are really uh, uh, creative and they'll have more than one idea and they'll have more than one game to, uh, to, uh, to have people play test. So, so yeah, so there's a lot of games uh, that, are, that are being presented. Uh, one of them is Brandon, our friend Brandon Rash. He is uh, doing something with uh, Jack Kirby. Uh, Jack Kirby is an artist, a comic book artist. And so he got the rights to it and is publishing a game. It's uh, pretty soon, I think. Uh, he has, uh, he's just, you know, working out the kinks and making sure that, you know, doing last minute uh, uh, playtesting. Games. Bard Games, right? They published. Have they published anything? I think they so. did have a successful Kickstarter called for a game called Fickle, which is a card game about fairies. Which he talked to us about on the podcast. Right. So if you have any idea, any questions about that, or any whatever, you can look at our Brandon Rash interview. Rosh. Well, I don't know how to say it. And I think that um, you can also send us an email. Yes. At gamingperspectives at gmail.com. Yep. And then we could always send it to him. Or you can put it on the podcast. I think there's somewhere you can make comments. Yes. If you go to our to our website, which will direct you to our host, our podcast ho- hosting, which is uh, Podbean, they will, you can put a comment there and we'll, we'll send you any information you want or any, answer any questions you want. We're if we don't we... have the answers, we'll contact somebody with the answers. <laughs> so what's good about Brandon is that he's local. He's from Santa Cruz, which is don't literally... tell people things like that. Well, he's he's from he's from, from Santa Cruz, and well, if you go to Barter Games, it tells you he's from Santa Cruz. So it's not privileged information. So, but but what but what is interesting is that he's local. He's been in the Bay Area for all his life. He well, most of his life. He loves the ocean, and he's a really laid back, cool super cool guy so it's neat to know the person who's publishing a game and you know be able to talk to him and, and interact with him it's not just some guy that you see or just hear about it's also there I can see the guy from here it's the crazier eights I know that crazy, he had a kickstarter crazier eights crazier eights and he he's, has one about Camelot that he's, ta- that he's doing over there at four o'clock yeah, so just. And I played when he did the first Crazy Rates. I played with him at a different convention. I think it was Dundercon. I mean, um, Kubicon. It was one of them. Yes. And uh, me and my friends had a lot of fun. So, is of course, it... my friends include my son and his friends. So we were. Did Kathy perfect, play that game? Yes. We were the perfect audience. Yes. For Do, this game. I didn't play that game. So. It's a lot like Crazy Eights. Crazy Eights? I've never played but, Crazy Eights. Well, then. But it's, it's, there's a lot of reading on the cards. Oh, so. oh. So it was really cool. So th- it does change things. And he did a Kickstarter for that game, too. So oh. it's always cool to, to oh. see. Because a lot of these people who go to the proto-spiels actually do Kickstarters to get their games published. Right? A few have. A few have. Like uh, Brandon, that's what he did. Uh, but uh, sometimes, you know, if if you don't want to go that route, because, you know, it, there's, a, there's a bit of a learning curve to... Uh, to, to doing stuff like that. Uh, Kickstarter isn't a guaranteed, uh, what is it, isn't a guaranteed win. And and what happens if you, you know, get a whole bunch of people, you know, to kickstart your game and now you're stuck with having to fulfill that game. 
and that's happened to a few uh, publishers who who weren't ready to you know they maybe they thought they they were asking for like ten thousand dollars and now they have a hundred thousand and they were thinking about maybe selling 500 games and now they have to deal with 2,000 games the logistics of that is is huge right <coughs> and there's different people who are uh, who are you know have different amounts of, of experience in that kind of endeavor so so Kickstarter is a cool way of doing things but if you're not if you go to break, a proto spiel maybe somebody will, that actually that. makes games would be there and pick up your game well Luke Laurie who is a published game designer uh, he could probably help you and talk to you about you know, different avenues you can't you go to to get your game published. At least you know that there will be people there that you could talk to about it if you had a game that you wanted. And the good thing about ProSpiel is that people go specifically to 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 ProSpiel to play test games, right? There's just people who like to play games, and these people uh, are invaluable, right? So people who go to ProSpiel a lot, they're really good at giving you know positive feedback, you know, or good feedback, you know, critical feedback where where you know the the they play enough games that they go well I like this part of the game but I don't think this part works very well and stuff like that <laughs> stuff that <coughs> stuff that that is is very helpful in designing the game and getting the game ready to be published in fact last year we went to a protospiel in Mountain View at Game was it Castle. last year or two years ago I don't know I thought it was last year I think it was two years ago but yes time it goes was by Mountain really View. fast I and Mountain View has a, is a pretty it. big store and, they and they're having another one this year. I forget what it's called, but I saw the thing Porter on Spiel. Facebook. I know it's called Porterspiel. Porterspiel San Jose. Put on by Board Game Inventor. I got. I, I don't want to say it because I, I know it's wrong. But there is a group of people here in San Jose that uh, they're wow. like a club that yeah. want to you know, produce games. You know, because, you know, we live in the a, in a Silicon Valley, you know, the center of all geekdom. It should be anyway. I don't know that that's true. There might be some people out there who are going, I've never been to the Silicon Valley, and I have a lot of geekdom. Well, you know, I'm talking about a lot of people here are in the tech business, right? And I think we were talking to, well, we were talking to... Uh, I don't know. You Teresa? Yes. And she said that, uh, she, it was her feeling because she's in the tech industry, and she's a game developer, and she was saying that people... Who are along? Who are into developing games and in games and in tech field? They like playing board games because it kind of mimics that same programming niche, but it's fun and it's you get to talk to people, and you're not stuck behind a computer all the time. And they don't want to get be, they don't want to have fun being behind the mic. Behind also, the she said that screen. at her company, they actually the CEO and people actually played. So she found that she really wanted to go and be a board, play board games, so that she could. That was her intent, yes. <laughs> she wanted to schmooze with the top brass. But then she ended up leaving and forming her own company with her friends. So, hey, there you go. That's the way the world works, right? Yeah. But what I was saying is there's a lot of people here who are in tech. And so, you know, you know, people in tech, they kind of have that, that geeky, nerdy stereotype. You shouldn't use stereotypes <laughs> But... But that's but there is a lot of people who are real smart and real uh, have a have a sense of uh, you know of I think strategy games and stuff like that really appeal to people who are who are pretty uh, intelligent and educated and stuff like that. At least my opinion. Well, and we talked to even when we talked to oh, Mondo, Pathfinder, World Guide. Did it just come out? Yeah, this this came out two days ago. 
Wow, early adopter, aren't you? Well, I already have the core rules in the beast theory, so. Well, sit down and tell us about it. I haven't done anything with them. Well, you just give us, your, give us your opinion. I also haven't read that much of it. But still. I'm going to take out my veneers because it's hard to talk with them. <laughs> you really got to get close to them. Uh, there you go. Or you, you I, have I feel like, like you have like a, a coffee and a cigarette, too. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Old school jazz. So, so he, co- so Vern is an RPG coordinator here at Pacificon. I am. Uh, or do you have another title? Nope, that's the one. Okay, some people like other. No. Oh no, I'm, like, I'm not fancy. Oh, Mark, Mark likes to call himself the event coordinator or something like that, or scheduler. Well, I, I guess technically I am an event coordinator, but specifically I coordinate the RPG. Yes. So why not be specific? So he was walking by with a Pathfinder book. I was. Second edition. Mm-hmm. Or is that what it's called? Second edition? Yeah, yeah. it is in fact. Pathfinder second edition. Yep. And it just and came out. What's it called? Ago. This book is called the Lost Omens World Guide. It's the new Pathfinder second edition world guide. It's like so, the old inner sea guide, but for second edition. Oh, so do they, do they keep the same world and everything? Um, I honestly can't say specifically, but the gist that I have gotten yes. is they've done something similar to the cataclysm that occurred with Dragonlance years ago, oh. where it's the same world, but a lot of the old gods are dead. Uh, there are some new gods. Ah, you know, mix things up a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a, in a way, I, I kind of like the idea because with a new edition of a game, it kind of opens up the opportunity for new players to address the game. And it also gives fresh material for old players to play right. the game. But they're relatively coming in on the same footing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you get the old Grognard Pathfinder players that, that think they know everything, <laughs> but they don't know everything right. anymore. And right. then you get the new guys who don't really don't know anything, but can come in and somewhat take advantage of the knowledge of the previous folks. Right, and right. Also learn alongside the, the folks you played before. So, you, do you still play Pathfinder regular? Uh, I am currently in a singular RPG group, which is playing um, Curse of... Oh, was it Curse of the Crimson Throne? I'm... No, Rune, Rise of the Rune Lords, that's it. Rise of the Rune, Rune Lords, Lords yes. yes. Yes, I started that campaign. Ah, you started, started it. it. <laughs> what do you mean you started it? Well, you, it was, you don't just start a campaign yeah. and then walk away, man. I, it's happened a couple of times, but oh. what, my, what happened was we, we were playing it, and then we kind of stopped playing for a while for whatever reason. You know how things are. Sure. And then in that hiatus, 5th edition came out, but I was still running Pathfinder, right? Right. But, but my but, and and uh, somebody gave me the, I think I told the story, but somebody gave me the player's handbook, mm-hmm. but I had, you know, I was deep. Have 10, 12, 15 books of Pathfinder. Sure. At right? least. At least. And I'm like, I'm not going to go and buy another whole set of books. Yeah, how, how long did that hold up? Uh, well, I didn't <laughs> touch the book for eight months. I didn't even look at it. Oh, okay. And then my son was like, oh, what's this? Because it was sitting on the shelf. And I went, oh, that's the player's handbook for fifth edition. He's all, oh, can I look at it? I go, sure. So he starts reading it. He starts reading it. And then three or four or five days later, he goes, hey, this is a really good set of rules. I go, okay, whatever. And I'm like, I'm not going to buy it, right? I'm not going to buy anything more. And, go, and then, like, he kept reading it reading it. And then, like, a couple of weeks later, he goes, you should really run a campaign with this. This is a really good, neat set of rules. I'm like, okay, I'll take a look at it. And I looked at it, and I'm like, okay, yes. No, Wizards of Coast did a fantastic job. Yes. I, I like that they, they gave the opportunity to leave in a lot of the older, more tactical rules if you want them. They're yes. optional rules. But they simplified a lot of the stuff. Yes. And in a lot of ways, that's a good thing. In some ways, it left you going, okay, do I use perception for this or do I use investigation? I don't know what I'm right. doing. With, with How do I search for stuff now? It's very broad. It, it is very broad. And it basically fell down to the uh, adjudication of the Dungeon Master at that yes. point. But honestly, 
you shouldn't be worrying about that stuff in game. Just you know, come up with something fair and move on. I mean, <laughs> um, hey. but I've, I've I haven't read too much of the Pathfinder Second Edition rule set. I've done a I've done a bit of it. I've watched a ton of videos. Uh, I've walked through setting up a character at least once, although I'm not quite positive I did it correctly. <laughs> um, it's, it is very different. You, you, it's not like the old old days where you roll three, di- three dice or four dice and drop one. They have this, um, or, or even the old point by system. Oh. It's, it's, it's very it's very character driven. So uh, they, they want you to look at the book and figure out your character concept first, and then start stepping through it. So. Um, hmm, that's interesting. You, you choose your. Well, they don't call them races anymore. They call them ancestries, and I, I think that's probably ah. very much a race is kind of you know becoming a taboo kind of word to use. So <laughs> yes. Anyways, it all, but it also fits in, into their their uh, their their way of doing things, where they've got this ABC format, where you're picking your ancestry, your background, and then your class. So you've oh, got ABC. I see, I see, I see. Uh, but cool. as you pick those things. It gives you uh, points to put into ability stats. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, so yeah. So that's that's you kind of. So you build your character as you come up. It's, as a and it's a lot more in depth. So, um, for instance, older editions of the game, races or well, they were called races back then. They're called ancestors now. Uh, like half orcs or half elves were their own separate thing. Yes. With second edition, they're a sub ancestry of the human ancestor. Oh. So you choose human. And then uh, you can then choose to be a half elf or a half orc, and depending on how you do those things, it'll, you know, uh, futz with your, your numbers accordingly. And abilities and feats, uh, they've got feats tied to your to your, uh, to your class. They've got feats tied to your ancestry. Um, it's it's all very uh, coalesced, and and I don't know. In a lot of ways, it makes a lot of more, a lot more sense, to, at least to me. Um, That's what I thought when with the fifth edition when it came out that. They changed it a little bit. How you made the character too? So. Yeah, yeah. They, they try to add more story elements. Me with the for sure. With what, what do they call it? Uh, backgrounds. Backgrounds, yeah. right? Right. Uh, and Pathfinder Second Edition has backgrounds as well. It, it's just it's there has been a you know a long duration, specifically with the D twenty style fantasy role playing games, where it was just a bunch of numbers on a page. Yeah, yeah. And, and there wasn't a lot of tie into uh, actual role play. Yes, yes. And uh, there, there are folks that have done, uh, you know, aids that help with that. Uh, but it's nice to see the developers taking notice of that and, and making those changes in the, in the rule sets so that there's a bit more of a connection to the world and to the other players and to the, the person actually building it. You, you actually can see a lot of personality. There's a lot of options uh, available to you in the character builds for Pathfinder Second Edition. It's pretty cool. Cool. Don't cool. tell the boys or they're going to want it. <laughs> well, I think they've already seen it and they're they're holding off on oh, the... Look, I, 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 the, I, I understand the, heart, the, you know, the actual physical copies of the books can run you a bit. I mean, I seriously, I just spent 40 bucks on this on this world guide, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is like 100, how many, I'm, gosh, I don't even, how, don't even know how many pages are in this thing, but it's, what, 136 pages? Oh, wow. But um, the core rule book is giant. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's like 60 bucks or 60 yeah. bucks or something. But Paizo's website, it's $15 for a PDF. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I still, even though I have thousands, thousands of PDFs, I still like dead tree versions. For I mean, sure. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying that it's, there isn't an advantage to having a book on yeah. the table. But if, if price is your, yes, is your point of pain, true. then there is a cheaper buy-in. Yes. Right. I and mean, PDFs, you know, they're beautiful uh, depending on on how the, how they're made. 
Some of them are, are very, uh, you know, they're what, indexed or whatever you call it, or hyperlinked. Or right, yeah, yeah. And I, some I of them are not, unfortunately. I, but don't, I don't know if the Pathfinder... It has to be with 400 pages. It, it's like, yeah, it's like 400 pages or something <laughs> crazy. It's huge. Um, well, basically because it's the player's handbook and the Dungeon Master yes, Guide all together. Everything. But um, I can say that the, the book is laid out very thoughtfully. Oh, cool. And uh, they have this this whole thing along the side, uh, the right side and left side of the of the pages that tells you what section you're in as you're flipping through oh, the book okay. on every page. Yeah, yeah. So you know if you're flipping through and you you've realized you've gone too far, they like actually have it highlighted as it goes. So it'll it'll list all the all the sections that are in the book along the right hand side and it'll highlight the one that you're currently on. Oh wow! So yeah, it's, it's really neat. easy to flip back yeah, and forth. Yeah. And they've done a great job of referencing things in the book. So if they talk about something on page one. They'll put a page number where that thing is actually talked about in, in depth. Wow! And, and they will reverse reference it as well, which is that's cool. I don't know. Uh, Stephen Randy McFarland, Jason Bowman, and I can't, there was a third gentleman I can't remember who uh, was involved with it. They those folks did a fantastic job putting that book together. I, I can't say enough good stuff about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you got like you said, when you have a rule book that big, and you have a lot of experience of people dealing with the rule book, you know, with Pathfinder for the first edition, then. You know, you, you know the hurdles of sure. learning stuff. They so. learned a lot of lessons. Yes. I mean, Paizo's been a publisher for a long time. Yes. They used to do the Dungeon & Dragon magazines. Oh, no, I we played Pathfinder for a long time, yeah. and my, my son and my friend, his friends loved it. And, I you know, they're kind of they're kind of munchkins. You know, they like the, they like the, the all the feats and stuff. So, so in fact, the, my, my son's been saying, well, we should play Pathfinder again. I'm like, oh, yes, okay. it has. Well, the nice thing with second edition in regard to the munchkinism is that you, you kind of get to feed that itch. Yes. Without being overpowered. Yes. You get to build the character to the specification you you want. I mean, it, it's a spec built character every time, but um, it's not, to my knowledge, as far as I can tell from having read and listened to some some playthroughs, lower level characters, they don't seem innately broken. Okay. Cool. Cool. That's good to know. So, uh, what are you, do you guys? You know, I always ask these people who these questions of people who work. At a con, yeah. are you, you going to play at all this con? I or? intend to attempt to try and play something okay. at some point this weekend. So when is your shift over today? Is it ever? <laughs> well, <laughs> midnight, two o'clock. I think the there's morning. role playing games tonight, so I don't know. I don't have an assistant coordinator at this convention. It's okay. just me. My son, however, does assist me somewhat. Okay. Actually, I have to give my son Tyler big props there because uh, over the last couple of years, as he's come of age and started to come to conventions with me, with, when I'm running them as the coordinator, he's been phenomenal about jumping into events that need additional players in order for oh, them to wow. actually go off. That's neat. Yeah, so he's he's been very open-minded to playing uh, role-playing systems that he's not familiar with right. just to make sure that that GM and those players have a decent experience. So I, cool. I, I love the kid dearly for it. It's an amazing thing that he's doing. All right. That but, is uh, a good thing. I, but like I was going to say, I don't have a coordinator that assists me here, so <laughs> I, I'm pretty much on, on the clock most of the weekend. Yeah. Um, I try and steal away some time here and there to do like what I'm doing now. Yes. Um, now, full disclosure, I'm about five feet away from my post <laughs> where I'm supposed to be sitting, so I'm not really that that squirreled away. But <laughs> You're not hiding in a corner. Oh, no, somewhere. no. I'm, I'm, I'm not cowering in a corner under, under a sanctuary spell or anything. So uh, I was asking that it's... The, are the, all the role-playing games in that room behind that your counter there? No, not at all. Uh, there are two rooms that are, are being utilized for the majority of the events. Uh, the Prospector A and B rooms, okay. which are down that long hallway past the Grand Ballroom where the uh, Adventurers League and Pathfinder Society are. Oh, oh that was you put them? Because yes. they used to be over there. So, if you, Yeah, they're, they're not over there now. They're, they're oh, over that's the Grand Ballroom. Oh, that's Burgersville now. Yeah, oh, I'm looking at the map right here. Right. 
Uh, so I've got two rooms that are back there that have two tables each, and and, the, and then I have uh, on, on the very far end of, of the hotel the Monterey room, which has four tables in it, two of which are our wonderful Amy Flattery is running our Games on Demand right. stuff, which is just phenomenal. I, I, I really appreciate her work that. And then the other two tables in there are also assigned for uh, open role-playing events okay. as well. And then I have two more tables that are in the Grand Ballroom shared with uh, Adventures League and Pathfinder Society that are also for open role-playing. Cool. Um, I tried to do my best. There are a few folks who are running multiple events, and some of them, unfortunately, have to run in that larger room with all of those other events, but I try to be a good guy and not put all of their events in there. Right. Um, give them a couple of uh, events that are in those more intimate settings, if you will. Yes, yes. Because I, I, mean, I have nothing against AL and uh, PFS, but there's a lot of people in that room, yes, and it, yes. gets, it gets pretty, pretty freaking you know, loud. I, I was just talking to Jolene before we, we got on the microphone. We were talking about what to discuss, and we were talking about how much, how much, uh, how many people that organized play attracts, and so, yeah. and so we were talking about how a lot of people give organized play flack for not being very you know, role player friendly and all this other stuff. But but uh, but uh, what I was saying is that I was telling Jolene anyway that it allows people to play in a campaign if you don't happen to have a group to play with at, it's at true. home. It's true, and I think it's pretty neat. I think I played in it. You know, and people say sometimes GMs are wooden or they're they're, they're very goal oriented the adventures. But I, we played one here with with a bunch of my friends, uh, Felipe, my brother, Beige, and uh, Larry Larry Dufilio. <laughs> but he, he got he got through it. Yeah, you know, and so he may have been a little bit timid or whatever. But we were just being really goofballs. Ah. And so once he realized that, like, okay, these are not the the you know the the goal driven players that I usually have. You know, and he just started going with it and, and start ripping up and riffing off what it was not me. I don't think I was that crazy, but like my brother wanted a bear trap on his back and <laughs> just in and case someone was <laughs> behind us. And, you know, nobody's so, gonna sneak attack me from behind. <laughs> and so, what was funny is like my, the GM actually told him, he goes, "I don't think that's gonna work the way you think it's gonna work, <laughs> right?" And my brother goes, "But I can I still have one on my back." And he goes, "Sure, well, okay." <laughs> I mean, I, I, as as a game master. Over the years, I mean, I've been doing, I've been GMing Dungeons and Dragons fantasy RPG specifically. Oh, jeez! Don't don't age yourself now. <laughs> over twenty years, over twenty years, and uh, I've adopted a very, I don't know if it's distinct, but it's 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 a philosophy that I don't say no to the players at the table. But I do, however, give you a yes, but um, if you want to be a dumb dumb head you go be a dumb dumb head but there's going to be consequences so have you, you ran campaigns then oh, no, I, 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 so the closest thing I've ever done as a campaign was uh, years and years and years ago and it was freeform it wasn't actual like an adventure path or anything right. this is uh, back in the earlier 3.0 3.5 yeah, yeah. D&D days and we would take turns the gaming group would take turns yes. DMing for the same right. party yeah um, I missed that actually that, that group has I, I, devolved isn't the right word, but we've we've, we've pretty much stopped role playing, <laughs> and, oh, wow. and uh, are almost exclusively playing just tabletop board games yes. nowadays. But that said, with Second Edition Pathfinder now out and available, and me having spent some of my hard earned hard earned <laughs> Imperial credits on so, this, so your friends are on on what on what it was they're on notice on notice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
So slip him, slip him this, this, uh, you know, this email saying, "Hey, listen oh, no. to this." <laughs> That's way too subtle, Saul. That's way too subtle. I showed up at the at the house with with character blank character sheet printouts and and uh, a photocopy of, of of the the ABC section from the core guide. I'm like, "All right, gents, the PDF's fifteen bucks. Here's the quick start guide." Get ready. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. I, I bought the uh, the PDF for the the, the standalone module, not the uh, the Adventure Path uh, Fall of Plague Stone. Okay. And it's a sixty page PDF, but um, I think we mentioned this last time I was on the show. But three D printing is one of my hobbies. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I, I am now up to seven 3D printers. Wow. Seven. You had three last yeah. time I lo- talked yeah, to yeah. you. Um, Four more? That was only a few months ago. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even six months ago. It was like three months uh, ago. At the moment. Since then, uh, I've, I bought a couple of resin printers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Are oh, those the ones that, that they don't like, just kind of like yeah, come out of the goop? That's right. They jump out of the goop. That's exactly <laughs> it. Um, so I got a couple of those. And uh, I also uh, was given one, which is more of a novelty item, really. Okay. I, it was a Kickstarter that the guy backed. And... It's an interesting idea, but it's not something I would call practical okay. as far as mass production. But I, I thought it was kind of cool, and he was going to throw it away, so I, I took it off his hands. He's literally going to throw it away. He was literally going to throw it away. Like uh, apparently, before I started working uh, uh, where I'm at, he was trying to give it away to people, and nobody wanted it. That's really? how weird this printer is. Oh, um, I forget the name of it, but it's it's a total oddball. Um, My brother Felipe has a has a has a one of those goop ones. I oh, forget yeah. what it was called. He probably has any cubic, uh, the photon. I forget what it was called, but it was it was called something. I forget. I don't know. He'll he'll get mad at me. But, but uh, uh, I I paid. Uh, well, actually, Tax Santa purchased me one. <laughs> uh, there's a company called Ultimaker. Oh wow, that's a big one. Which makes them, and um, yeah, I I used my tax return from previous tax season oh, there to purchase you go. an Ultimaker 3. It was 3500 bucks. Yeah, wow. they're not cheap. You're not getting one, so. No, no, no. no, no. Well, so I, I had a, a special one. I had a major <laughs> blowout on one of my on my on one of my main, uh, main printers and I spent more money than I'd like to admit trying to fix it and, oh, no. and you know, putting parts in and breaking them and putting parts in and breaking them. Oh, geez. I finally got it back up and running, but it was such a chore that when I was looking at the Ultimaker on the website and how easy it was to fix, I, I jumped right on it. Anyways, I digress. The reason I brought up the printers. Oh, yes was uh, with Pathfinder 2nd Edition and this module, I'm in the process of 3D printing all of the NPCs and monsters and, and terrain wow. that I'm going to use to run it. Uh, I'm planning on you know printing, uh, painting all of these guys after I'm done. And then when, <laughs> when the players uh, make their characters, I'm going to get physical descriptions of their characters. And they're going to print them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Hero Forge, which is a fantastic yeah. website. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, make the you know model up their, their their pieces, buy them, print them, paint them, let them use them in the in the game, and then give them to them as a as wow. a, a, a commemorative. Why don't you just deep, uh, 3D print your own? Well, that's a beautiful thing about it, Saul. If I, if I buy the STL, I can make as many as I want. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you can buy, just buy the, the, the file? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you buy yeah. the file. Oh, I thought they just sent you one. By so it. they do do that, too. Yes. But uh, I want to say about six or eight months ago, they added the oh. option of, of just getting the, the file and printing it yourself. That's very cool. That's and it's only like 10 bucks. Wow. Yeah, so like if you buy many from yeah. them, it's like 60 70 80 90 yeah. $100, depending on what material yeah, you Yeah, what material and how much detail. Yeah. 10 $15 for, for a miniature that you, uh, model that you can just print as many times as you want if you got your own. And it depends on how, how what is it, how how detailed your printer can print. Right. I mean, um, s- some of those poses that you can do are very dynamic. Yes. And uh, those the more dynamic the pose, the more difficult it is to print. Not impossible, right. but more difficult. But your $3,500 
should do, do it. it. Yeah, that one does. That one prints two materials at once. Oh my god! And, and one of the well, not really at once, but it, it has yeah. two nozzles. One of one of the materials that I printed is this stuff called it's uh, called PVA. It's a water soluble material. And it uses that for the supports. Yes. So I, I use that to print the supports up, and then the rest is in the PLA plastic. And when it's done, I pop it off the mill plate, throw it in some water for about four hours, and it all dissolves away. Right. Exactly. Leaving no snipping. scarring or snipping wow. or any of that stuff. Like I said, it That's was fancy. The best thirty five hundred dollars. <laughs> I mean, I could have bought a car for that much money, but uh, I got a printer instead. I think that my car costs $500 less than that. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm using it to, to, you know, enhance that gaming experience. It was kind of the reason I got it in 3D printing was to be able to just you know, print my own stuff. It's funny because, like, years ago when 3D printing first came out, my brother Felipe was really into it. He sent me all these, you know, these videos on, sure. on YouTube. I go, wow, that looks really neat. I go... That looks like it really cool, but what would I use it for? You know, but now I'm like, okay, now I can 3D print miniatures, but then I would have to paint them, and I'm a horrible painter. I already have miniatures that I haven't. You know painted. what? You might think you're a horrible, horrible painter, but you're probably not as bad as you think you are. <laughs> well, you know what? I should you know what I do? Just like buck, buck no, I don't know, buck down and and look at a few videos of how to paint, and you know, they say like white, you know, what do you call it? Dry brushing and. And stuff like that really helps out because I've seen people do it online. I'm like, yeah. wow, that, that does make it look nice. So one of my good friends, his oldest son, was talking to me about miniatures painting. And I told him, you know, I don't do it because I suck at it. Yeah. And, and, and at least I thought I did. And, and he asked me, well, when you paint a miniature, what, do you, what, what are you doing? You know, just kind of gauge yeah, yeah. what it is. And so, you know, I, I, I take the color I want for the area. I put it on. That's what I do. And, you know. It looks like a painted miniature. It, it looks <laughs> like dookie. And, and, and he's like, do you use a wash? No. And I'm like, what the hell is a wash? <laughs> That's exactly what I say. And and, and the, the, the look of. Of astonishment. Aston- like. Astonishment. <laughs> and then this wry smile. And he just kind of looks at me as, as the smile creeps across his face. And he says, oh, it's liquid talent. <laughs> yeah, because it gives you all that definition, right? It does. And so I went ahead and I, I made the mistake of this last Christmas of buying Warhammer stuff for my kid for Christmas. <laughs> what you want, Warhammer or Warhammer 40K? 40K, oh, but, God. but still, it's Games Workshop and everything costs a bajillion dollars. Uh, and of course, I buy the starter set and he instantly says, i got to have 50,000 more of these. As every GW work, you know. Well, that, that starter set is, is not cheap, but no, it's, it's also not, not hugely, pro- not really expensive. No. Our friend's kid got that, and then he went started going to the flea markets to pick them up. So, yeah, Dundercon, a couple years ago, I picked up, like, probably about $500 worth of minis for, like, 100 bucks. <laughs> it was crazy. But I grabbed up a couple of the, the Space Marines. Right. And I just started working on them and painting them and doing my best to go slow and put the base coats of the colors that I want here and there and yeah, yeah. did a little bit of dry brushing and stuff yeah. like um, like I did some silver on, on some of the, like the shoulder pads and the knees and stuff yeah. with like a little painted worn away and was kind of scuffed okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then I dropped in this this Citadel Nuln Oil wash and I nearly crap myself <laughs> I'm like, I couldn't believe how I'm so talented it looked. it looked amazing I mean I've seen better but I've seen a hell of a lot worse yeah 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 and so I'm like you know what maybe I don't suck so bad at this <laughs> so I'm, I, I bet you yeah you know what that's what I got that one of the guys that just passed by his name is Ed Allen he is he put stuff on on Facebook he used to be big on Google Plus but since that died, you bastards. What, what is Google Plus? Yes. Uh, a lot of gamers used to use it, but he used to post all kinds of pictures there. Now he puts it on. Can you link me on my mind? Surprise <laughs> <based> on <laughs> Google Plus? Yes. Exactly. Exactly. I went by the Dodo bird, right? So, 
So, but he is an amazing painter, and yeah. like, and I'm like, wow, you know, just like super detailed. And he paints his board game pieces, you know. I've seen people uh, who do that too. So I'm like, that's crazy. Um, actually, I bought my cousin uh, a copy of Massive Darkness for his birthday, wow. and he's been doing that. He's been painting the minis for it. That thing. Talk about massive darkness, the game, but it's, they have massive amount of figures. In that it's thing. true. It's worth the hundred dollars I spent on it. Was oh, is that in, all? In the miniatures alone, yeah. I don't know. How, I, I, when I saw somebody pull that thing out, I go, "That must have been like a two hundred fifty dollars Kickstarter." It wasn't, or oh, it wasn't quite that. Well, I bought it at retail. Uh, oh, really? It might have been a little more than a hundred bucks. Maybe like one hundred twenty bucks, but still, that's a lot for, of figures for what you get in it. Yeah. It's worth yeah. the money. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And, and it's a fun game. Oh, I haven't tried. It's, it's a, but it's a. Like a character dungeon delve thing? Yeah, so it's, it's done by Coleman or not. So yes. if you've played Zombicide, yes. it's got some similar mechanics. It's not the same. It right. is not the same game. I want to make that clear. But it's got some similar mechanics, uh, which makes actually the, the point of entry to it a lot easier if you've played some of the other uh, Coleman or not games. But yeah, basically it's a dungeon crawl. Cool. And um, they've got this great mechanic where you've got certain abilities that only work when you're in darkness or when you're in the light. <laughs> and, you know, um, and it's built so that you can level up your character. So there's like a uh, whole campaign style of play that you can play uh, you know, multiple sessions of it. So basically I was looking for something that would be like role-playing because he, he had expressed an interest in role-playing but I didn't right. have time to have something or set up something up. So I, I bought that for him to, just to kind of yeah, get, get something similar. Yeah. And he's been just absolutely loving it. Every time I'm up there, he's like, can we win that's a darkness game? I'm like, is that a, is that a, like, overlordless or GMless kind of thing? It is GMless, yeah. Oh, wow. So it's not like, um, what was that, Descent. Descent, Descent's yeah. a great game. I, I remember Descent, yes. It was a great game. You still got that one guy who's a de- basically a dungeon master yeah, and yeah. a bunch of folks that are playing as the players. Right. No, this is, everybody's playing their own character. And, wow. And uh, there's a scenario that's put out. Uh, there's some AI that's built into it that tells you how to, how, how the, uh, Big baddies move around, right? Uh, but other than that, yeah, it's, it's. I know some people, or some people, so you know, some people are integrating like a phone AI to help them, like with the to be the GM. Oh, uh, I forget what there's, game. A, there's a Lord of the Rings game that just yes, that. yes, the Lord of the game, yeah, the adventure game. I think yeah. it's like that. I feel funny enough. I bought that at KubelCon and I have yet to play it. it I, really? Yeah. Oh well, my I know, god! <laughs> you know how it is, man. Yes. Uh, no, I have no idea. We do know how it is. I've, I've played every game I've bought, honey. That is not true. <laughs> you know, I, there, there are even some games I've read the rules to and punched wow. out and still haven't played. Wow. Um, it happens. It's, it's, you know, getting people together to sit down and actually do something as a, a gaming group, you're more likely to get struck by lightning. It's, um, we all want to do it, but we never want to do it at the same time. You know how bad it is? Saul got a, a game, Thieves, for his birthday a couple oh, years geez. ago from his friend. And his friend was at our house this summer. And he goes, oh, I know you have Thieves because I gave it to Saul. Um, luckily, I remember where Saul put it. We hadn't even punched oh. it out yet. I didn't so even broke it in plastic <laughs> on it. I'll, I'll one-up you. I, I will. Uh, so see? I'm, I'm, I, I, listen, I, was, I, was at a, I was at a white elephant gift exchange. Oh my goodness! How um, I want to say this had to have been like 2003, and I walked away with the grand prize, the thing that everybody wanted at that game. Of course, the, it was the game of Cleopatra. Oh, uh, the yeah. architect. The, 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 the Cleopatra board game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have it. We have that one. Fantastic game. I played a bunch of times with other friends. Yeah. I have never opened it. It is sitting in my closet <laughs> in the shrink wrap. Fifteen years later, <laughs> that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Well, uh, you played it though. Uh, not that, not, not my that copy. Really. No, no, but you played that game. Before. I have played the game before, and, and I have played it since, since. but not my copy. Um, 
I have the same thing going on with, with uh, Western Legends. Oh. Although, I think that's a really good game. It, oh my god, yes. if you have not played it, you need to play it. It is fantastic. Paul has that game. That's, that's really um, I'm about to probably start playing it pretty soon. Um, November. <laughs> for sure in November, because I backed the Kickstarter for their expansion stuff. Oh, okay. And I, mean, I did it at the ridiculous, I have too much money and not enough things to spend it on level. <laughs> yes. So I have You're not all allowed to use that level. <laughs> the all-in. <laughs> to be fair, Jolene, I, was, I shouldn't have been doing it at that level. <laughs> but I, I went all-in. I shoved all my chips in. So I'm waiting for that to arrive. And when that arrives, that's when I will probably finally... Not, not probably. I'm going, to, I'm going to come to the resolved point of that is when I'm going to open my copy so that I can... That's a long game, though, isn't it? What's that? It it's not long. too long. I mean, it's the, like three the, hours? The, the base game is two, three hours. It's yeah, not, yeah. For a board game, I mean, considering, like stuff like Toilet Imperium, you oh, know, yeah, like yeah, 16 yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Diplomacy, where you're there all weekend playing it. What did we play when we were on vacation? Risk? It took us Oh, Risk, two days. It took us two days. <laughs> That's a pretty short how, game. How, how do you take two days to play a game of Risk? Well, we didn't play like a whole day. We played like we, we played uh, like two, two, two and a half, three hours maybe. How old is uh, McKenna? She uh, was like 10. ten, and so we were having to be uh, careful not I, to. I see. But yeah. it was, but it was fun. We played it, and we had a uh, we had a full table, and uh, we we was basically it was like we only had we played it a little bit, and then we only had like. Maybe a couple more turns because it was game toward the end. But they wanted to keep playing it, so they just put it like, they just left it on the table. They didn't eat that dinner. Yeah. They didn't eat dinner that, that night, and we came back the next day. <laughs> and the, the, the 10-year-old won. The bloodthirsty yes, little girl. And <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because the, mom was, because the mom was the one that was going to kill her, right? So she goes, I have to do it, right? So she, the little girl rolled, kept rolling sixes, you know. Oh, wow. And so she just, you know, whittled down the mom until she could until That's she couldn't attack the anymore. the best feeling in that game where you've got one unit left <laughs> and you can't roll anything but sixes. It was somewhere defense. in Africa that she was My stuck. problem was Saul was in charge of our team. So <laughs> we, we did good. Win. We almost did it. We almost did it. No, I, it's been a while, but that's definitely one of my favorite games. I... There's, there's been a few different flavors of that. Yes, uh, have, yes. Have you I like guys the, the Legacy one? Yeah, I haven't played the Legacy one, but I really we have the Lord of the Rings one, and it's oh, really good. Oh, I like that one. Yes. The, the, the ring mechanic where it yes, makes the, the game actually end the, end, in a yes, decent time. If you don't make it to the end, and the dark wins. wins. Yeah. No, it's great. It's no, a, that's a great mechanic. And there's a Godstorm one. It's pretty neat. It's oh, just a different map. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, there's also a Risk, oh, was it Risk 2010 or 2040 or oh, one of the future. Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't played that one. I like that one because one of the territories is the moon. Yes, yes. And... Um, you have mechs. <laughs> so I, I played that a bunch. My friend Chris got that game. We played it a bunch. And my goal stated... Always to the moon. <laughs> ...was not only just to go to the moon, but to be the sole owner of the moon. Like, well, there's different parts of the moon you can own? There's like three or four different territories okay. up there, yeah. And so, uh, But the thing is, is when you're up there, you can send like nuclear aerial strikes back at the planet. <laughs> uh, but, That's horrible. But uh, at this very convention uh, a few years ago, we're playing. It was him and I, and I think another gentleman. I, I don't think we really knew. And I did my my you know thing. You did I, your I, moon I, thing. I went, I went to the moon, and and the and the guy's like, "Oh, we got to stop him from taking over the moon." And Chris was like, "Ah, he always does that. <laughs> and he never gets it all. Ah, uh, just ignore him." And he never wins. <laughs> and I freaking did it. I got the whole moon to myself. And I nuked the hell out of the planet, and I won the game, and there I was so happy. And I haven't played it since. The moon strategy finally worked. <laughs> wow. 
it was fun though. I, yeah. I, I mean, do they have a Star Trek version of Risk? Of Risk? No. no. They do have Catan though. Yes. They just brought it back. They just start publishing again. No, did they? Star Trek. Star Trek Catan. Yeah. Remember they had that old one with the. No, was that Star Trek? No, that was that was. Yeah. Yeah. No, was Star Trek yeah. yeah, yeah, and then it went out of print, and I think they brought it back. They so there's an expansion to that. I don't know if you know this. It's a, a board that you set out. So you, instead of setting up the things like you would do normally, it's a static board that you play with. Oh. And there's a lot more solar systems and stuff to play in. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I have I have that too. I have that too. <laughs> I do. Well, that was a gift. I didn't buy that one for uh, myself. Okay. Now, the, the base set of Catan, I'm like... All right, so David Gabriel, old time, old friend. Yes. Big, big Catan guy. There's no reason for me to buy most Catan things <laughs> because he's got literally all the things. I'm sure he has quite a few other games, too. Well, he does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, considering that part of the Kublicon library, at least, I don't know if it still does, but at least at one point did live at his house to, yes. to save up storage fees. But he wouldn't you know, would buy the Star Trek one because it's a base game and we already have a base game of Catan. Right. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to buy a Catan game, that's the one to get. <laughs> and sure enough, I did. And I don't regret it. It was a lot of fun. So speaking of board games, do you ever go into the Protospiel and play with those people? You know, I, I'm ashamed to say I've, I've popped in and just poked around, yeah, but yeah. I've never actually sat down and played anything in the right. Protospiel. And I've got a couple of friends that do actually show up and run events like uh, Brandon Rash. Uh, oh, yeah, Brandon. Yeah, so he's, he's a friend of mine, and he uh, is in there all the time. And I feel horribly because he always asks, hey, you going to come play my new game? I was yes. like, I really want to, and then I never actually get around well, to Well, you know, exactly, because he, he's publishing games now, right? Yeah. So, so he really is pushing, you know, his friends to try out his game because he wants, you know, people to play. So I actually game. met him through the, the that the the Orc card game Kickstarter. Oh really? Yeah. So so uh, I, I he was doing this thing where um, if you buy into a certain level, you can you know create your own card, and I created my own card, and and apparently uh, I ran into him at Kublicon, and, and and I introduced myself, and, and he knew exactly who I was. <laughs> um, the, the card, I, I forget the exact mechanics of it, but I named him kind of after myself. It was Vernock the Gambler, and it was this <laughs> tavern owner orc thing. But apparently, that card and the mechanics that I designed for it makes it the most dreaded game in the entire <laughs> card in the entire game. Like, everybody is afraid of anyone who has that card. Now, that came out a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so I met him through that, and. Um, you know, he, he was just so impressed with the, with the game mechanics that came with, uh, up with, and um, you know, we've, we've started Facebooking back and forth. And I always make it a point to say hi to him when I see him at the shows. But um, I always feel badly because he's like, "Yeah, come, come check out my, my my new game." I'm like, "I will." And then because I'm running, because, honestly, there there are three major cons in the Bay Area. There, uh, you know, Dundercon. Pacificon and Kublicon. Right. There's also other ones like Big Bad, Big Bad yes. Con, but um, I haven't been to that one in a few years. That's up kind of toward where you're at now, right? No, no, no. I'm in San Rafael. It's up in uh, oh, Long Beach, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it's, I, I'm always running you know, the, the, the role-playing department, so I'm, I'm, I don't have downtime to play games, oh, period. Yeah. You, don't, you don't do anything at DungeonCon, do you? I don't. DungeonCon is like the one and only convention yeah. that I just go to. And I mean, it's we, all. We have a we have a Kublicon meeting in the morning and, on Monday, and that's yes, uh, that's right, that's right. So that's, you actually get to play games. I actually do get to yeah. play games. Yeah, but believe it or not, I like to do that. <laughs> yeah. I believe it. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. But yeah. <laughs> Dendrocon is the one that I, I go to specifically to play games. Um, I will be going to a Big Bad Con again this year, though, for the first time okay. in a while. Um, I hadn't gone since I moved from Oakland just because it was inconvenient, but uh, I have some friends that said they'd be willing to put me up 
the, oh, there you the go. place. So I'm going to go. I love that show. Right. I love. That, I mean, I love all the shows, but I, I, the, I love that show as an RPG coordinator because it's a lot of indie games that run there. Yes. And I, I love going to play. I, that's the show I go to to specifically play games that I've never played before. Right. Because um, I, when I'm sitting behind the desk here uh, or at KubelCon and someone comes up and says, "Hey, I'm looking for an RPG to play. I don't know what I want to do. I don't want to play D and don't want to play Pathfinder." I can say, "Hey, well, what, what do you like? What kind of things are you into?" You know, uh, what, yeah. you know, what kind of movies do you like to watch, that sort of thing. And then, you know, based on that kind of input, I can say, well, you know, there's this Call of Cthulhu game that's happening from right. like horror stuff. And, um, there's this great game called Mouse Guard if you, if you want to play a really interesting role-playing system that, where you're playing as a, a little mouse with a sword, you know. Yeah. It's it's a great way of expanding my breadth of knowledge with, with, with the industry. And I, I, I've played some of the best, the best role-playing games I've ever played. Oh, really? There, That's yeah. cool, yeah. I went there, I've been there twice, and only for like one day, and it, it was a really good experience. I mean, I, and this was back when they were still in Oakland, so yeah. it's been a while since it's I've been still, there. It's a very small show. It's yeah. a very small show. It's growing, though. He said he had, I don't know how many, oh, shit, I don't remember. The number, don't but remember. he said that that it is growing, yeah. and he, he's worried about it growing too fast and all that other stuff. It's a real concern. I mean, uh, success is a hard pill to swallow sometimes. <laughs> Terrible <laughs> success. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of instances where, you know, people are successful, and they expand too quickly and yes. end up imploding. So, yes. I mean, it's a, it's a good thing to be concerned about. Yeah. Um, I know there have been concerns with other shows for that very same reason. Yeah. It's, it's you know watching the gaming scene expand here in the Bay Area. It's I, I think shows like Pacificon and Kublicon and Undercon that are really family oriented shows have done a lot to welcome in a new not just one generation but two generations now. Well, you have gamers. to right to to, yeah. to 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 keep the you know you got to keep the interest going because you just Man, can't. It's it's weird. Like I've been doing this long enough that there are kids that I see here that are basically adults now. Yes. yes. I, I don't know their names. They don't. They may not know who I am, but I recognize. Yes, them. you recognize the faces. And I, I remember them sitting at my table, you know, running events for them when they were like, when they were kids, yes. Yes. and they're like almost eighteen years old or, or better now. Easy, easy. Yeah. I mean, I started going to Dungeon Con in nineteen ninety one, and so you know that's how many years ago? I don't know. I don't want to say, but like you're right. You saw like little guys, and now they're like have kids of their own. They're and they're running events of their own yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's crazy. It's, it's great. I, I uh, a couple weekends ago, I was at my parents' house, and my uh, my cousin, the one I bought the the Massive Darkness game for, uh, was was there, and my son was there with me, and uh, just happened to have the D and D five O rule books in my backpack, and uh, Tyler, my son, grabbed the rule book, walked his cousin through creating a character, and ran a no module, no prep, off the cuff adventure for him, and f- f- over the course of like two days, <laughs> we were there for a weekend. He ran it for like two days. Now I, I have to say he, he did something kind of smart. The kid is a savant when it comes to Skyrim. He's played it ridiculous amount. Uh, I say this with absolute lack of hyperbole. <laughs> I own a copy of Skyrim for every console and system. Okay, every one. <laughs> Everyone. And he, Tyler has done concept builds across the stratosphere of all of these consoles. Right, right. So uh, he knows the system, he knows the, the world very well. Uh, and my cousin has played it a bit, so he was familiar with it. So he decided to place you know, his world, event, yeah. world in Skyrim because it was, it was a world that they were both familiar with. So he ran with it. And 
my cousin just had an absolute ball of a time. <laughs> and I was, you know, as, as, a, as a gamer and a dad, I was super proud, you know, because I don't know. I, have, have you ever tried running an off-the-cuff adventure? Like, no prep, nothing? Yeah, I do it all the time. Okay, well, then, <laughs> then, well, if you, do, if you do it for a while, it becomes like a, a muscle, yes. you know, you, second nature. But, but it's scary, too, you know, because uh, what, what happened is I would have an idea in my head. Yeah. Like, well... Because you know, I ran. I, I ran uh, when the third edition came out. I decided. I, I phoned all my. Well, I emailed all my friends and say, "Hey, let's wait, wait, get wait, wait. Third edition. There was email back then. <laughs> there was email back then. When third edition came out, come yeah. on, two thousand one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Remember, you know, AOL. <laughs> that was back in the eighties. Was eighties? Nineties. Nineties. I'm sorry, two thousand one. When third edition came out. So I was thinking ninety one. You're right. Maybe there was an email back then. But anyway, so I emailed everybody. And like I was like I emailed everybody, everybody I knew that I played, and that I played when I was a kid, and so a bunch of people showed up and we played and played. And my idea was like you, you had that revolving GM, but every time you know, the, every it never time revolved. I, they never re- revolved because <laughs> that's I'm like, the worst. Are you ready to play? It's like oh and man, I'm I didn't, I didn't prep anything. Can you, can you, can you? Right. You got my back. So, so I would, I would, I would think of something to to to, to do, and I was using the the three point oh, uh, what is it, Forgotten Realms book. And I would just, you know, because they have all kinds of plot hooks sure. and stuff. And so I would, I would just pick up a plot hook and just run with it. And then, uh, and then I would go, okay, this is going to be the adventure. They're not going to get to play. And it never happened. So I'm like, you know, next, next week, in the two weeks from now, I had to come up with something else. So I took another plot hook, which were just, you know, like maybe a half a paragraph of, oh, sure. this is something interesting that could happen. And so that's what I did. It was no problem for that group. Whatever you tell them, they would just go. Well, with. I mean, you'd be surprised. I, I, my, my, my cousin, again, I keep going back to him, but he actually, he actually messaged me the other day and says, hey, I'm thinking about dungeon mastering for the first time. Do you have any advice? <laughs> so, so where does oh, your cousin live? He, he lives out near Lodi with my cousin. Oh, okay, with my Lodi. Lodi. I got you. But he, he's like, oh, man, here's a soliloquy of things. <laughs> uh, but uh, w- one of the things that I, the biggest thing that I told him was, Remember that you're you're a player too, right? And not only that, but you can actually get to play more than the other people at the table because you're all the NPCs and you're all the monsters, right? You get to do you get to do all the things. Um, so use that. But one of the, one of the other things I told them is never be surprised at what players will do <laughs> because man, yes. I mean we've all done it. We've all had this, you know, taking a month to write a you know a scenario up and we get this whole idea of how the story is going to play yes, out. Yes, I used to do that. This whole path of yes. things and that are going to occur and they're going to go here and they're going to go there and they're going to do this and, yes. gonna, and they do either a literally none of it or literally. b figure out some way to completely kill the BBEG in the first 2 <laughs> yes. seconds of the game. That's what that's what I used to do. I used to do the massive prep. I used to write it like first thing I do is write a short story, and, and then I built my my game around that short story. Right. But you know, and so in my head I go, okay, they're gonna see this, they're gonna do this, they're gonna go this way, they're they gonna go that do way, that. and then like every freaking time they're like they're supposed to go left, they go right. They go, okay, okay, I go with that. And it just, <laughs> every single turn was the wrong way. Well, in my mind, and so I'm like, all these pages and pages of stuff I write just went out the window. So finally, when I was like. In my 30s, I go, okay, that's not the way to work. That's going to work. I got to change it up. So it was, I, uh, there's there's a nonprofit that, that I, I'm involved with. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to do it this year, but three years previously, it's called uh, Game Academy. They do uh, an after-school program for kids right. th- where they, they role play. Uh, but they also do a, a, what they call the Adventure, uh, Adventure Gaming Summer Camp, which runs throughout the month of July. And I was 
helping them out with uh, jamming for the kids. And I'll tell you what, man. If you want, if you want to sharpen your chops as a game master, game master for kids. Yes. Because you think adult players are wily? Holy crap! <laughs> Holy crap! Yes. Well, that's what I started doing. You know, when 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 my group fell apart, and you know, everybody like I said, adults have a hard time getting together, and my son wanted to play, so I I started playing at home. Sure. And I'm like, you know what? You know, they kind of get distracted. I go, let's go play. And then I knew the guy who ran or owned Legends, and he wanted. And he goes, well, you can play in my shop, right? So I'm like, oh, sure. You know, and we, you know, it, it's kind of an event, right? And the kids loved it because there's and, candy yeah. and oh. soda. So we, you know, we, we'd go get soda and candy, go to the event, you know, go to the location. We'd play for four or five hours, right. go home. you know. And so it became like a habit. It became like a thing to look forward to. And then Jolene started joining us there. And it was like, it was, and so, you know, but you're right. There are kids who do weird things and, and just... I, I, came to, for loops. I came to the realization if there's a, a, a story element that has to happen, <laughs> it just happens. Yes, that's what it is. You know, you, you, when you write these things out, it's not like a book or a movie script, right? No, it's not. Where you have, you have to read it from, from the top left to the bottom right. You're in charge. You're in control. I mean, yes, there is something to be said for player agency, and I'm, yes. not, I'm not at all advocating for taking that away. But if there is a giant story element that needs to occur and things aren't leading up to it how you envisioned, you got to adapt on the fly, man. Like, make it happen anyway. Um, like I said, I've, I've played a lot of role-playing systems. I've damned a lot of role-playing systems. One of, one of my favorites, probably my current favorite to run, is uh, Monty Cook's Cypher System. Oh, yeah. And the best mechanic ever. Is the mechanic of the GM intrusion? Yes. So you, it's it's beautiful. Like <laughs> if, if you come up with something in the moment that is just like, yeah, I want to be a jerk right now, or this would be great for the story. This would be a real good part of the story. Yeah. Yes. Or you know whatever you can say. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a GM intrusion, and, and this thing's gonna happen. And it's the way that Monty Cuck laid this out is, is beautiful. So basically, you give experience points experience when, points, when yeah. this happens. And as part of that, you give two experience points. You give one, one or basically, you hand both of them to the player you're intruding upon, and then that player has a choice. They can take the experience and, and just let the thing happen, or they can, they can use some of their current experience points and say, yeah, no, no that's, that's not, not going to happen. happen. Uh, if they decide they want to take the, the, the gym intrusion, then they take they take one of the experience points, and then they, they have to give one away to another player another at the table. Player. And then they... Interact they, with them. Uh, right, and then the story element happens. So you've got this beautiful dichotomy of, I'm a GM, here's some way that I can influence you economically. You have some way of, say, of either taking it or denying it economically, and then... You also have to interact with this with, with this other player, and you're, so it's you, it's not just a GM interacting with with one player, but the player is also interacting with right. other players and building bonds. But it builds for a fantastic dynamic story, and you've got this great thing where they're like, like ah, do I want to yes. do I want to use the experience for this, or do I want to mini here? I, know, I could use that experience. That's point. right. And experience point, one experience point is a lot. In that but game. Uh, I, I love it. I love that system for that. And I, the other thing that's really neat about that system is basically. Armor class, hit points, all that stuff is all adjudicated yeah. by the the level of the character involved. Right. So it's, a, it's uh, and then it's, as a GM, you don't roll any dice. Exactly, <laughs> it's, it's the best. It's the best. You, you got to do a defense roll, okay? Defense roll. Yes. You got to do attack roll, okay? Do it. And that's all on the player side. And they've got three pools of, yes. of hit points for might, intelligence, and yes. speed. 
it's, it's really neat. It's really thoughtfully laid out. It's the learning curve. I, I, I will say is a little steep at the beginning, simply because of how different it is. Yes. Yes. But once you get to the point where it clicks, you're like, oh, I don't know what the heck I was thinking. This is super simple. <laughs> and, and it's probably one of the few systems that I can actually sit down and run with with nothing. Like right. No books. Just the player no. have dice, and that's it. Yeah, I really like that system. Uh, I played Numenera a few times, and I just loved it. But, uh, you know, I... There's so many games out there. That like. So Numenera is the the fantasy setting for it's the the one that, yeah, it's it, fantasy, but it's it it's set, it's set billion years in the future. Yeah. So it's like there's remnants of technology. Uh, we've actually uh, run the Strange as the well. The Strange, yes. Which yes. is again, cipher system, but uh, that's where you go for like different worlds. Yeah. Kind of? So basically, the, the different little pocket dimensions. Yes. And those pocket dimensions are generated by pop culture. Yes, yes. So um, there's some sp- some you know very specific ones that come in the books, but I mean you could have a Harry Potter world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a Star Wars world. It's just and you, your agents are trying like to make sure that they fix things or something. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. But I love the fact that when you when you tr- when you go from one world to the next, you translate. So like if if you've ha- if you, if in regular Earth you had uh, you know uh, a nine millimeter auto- semi automatic pistol, and you go to uh, to a fantasy setting, now all of a sudden you've got a crossbow. <laughs> yes, yes. You know you don't lose the things; they just change into, into something. Appropriate right. to that, that dimension, um, yeah. That's, uh, that whole that whole uh, family of stuff is, is is super cool. Yeah, I, I really liked it too. I didn't buy the I didn't buy the the new Numenera set books because I'm like, you know, I, I didn't feel I needed them. But but the the original book is beautiful and really neat. And um, his Invisible Sons game is oh yeah. I don't I mean, know if, I, I, mean, I, I I had the opportunity to play it at KublaCon and. Oh. Um, was that with Matt Steele? Uh, no, no, no. My friend Josh oh, okay. was running it. Very intimate. It was just three players. That's a pretty I, wacky game, though. Uh, I, it is, <laughs> and, and I and I say this with the utmost uh, sincerity. It was the best role playing experience I've ever had. Cool. Wow. Yeah, it was great. Very, very good. And he's also the same DM that's running my uh, Rise of the Rune Lords game. So. Oh well, there you I go. Love Josh. <laughs> so do you? You're, so you're playing now mainly. Uh, I have one game that I'm a member of, and unfortunately, it only happens once a month. Okay. Uh, actually, that's not true. I take that back. I forgot all, all, altogether. Uh, there's another small gaming group that, I've, that, that I'm with that's meeting, I, I want to say twice a month. I, I, I don't what are you know what I'm saying. What, what game is that? Uh, we are mainly playing Tunnels and Trolls. Tunnels and Trolls? Yeah. That's a old way back machine. Yeah, yeah. Um, with with Rick having passed away recently, it's, right. it's kind of a, a an homage to a bittersweet yes. homage, but it's a really interesting role-playing system. Um, very 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 old school, though. Yeah, lots yeah. of charts and tables. Yes, yes. Um, so we're doing that. Um, playing a little bit of uh, West End Star Wars. With oh that wow! Group. Um, now D six is in that. Yes, that, there's uh, a lot of D sixes <laughs> in that. We did one Call of Cthulhu uh, night with with that group, and there was one other. Oh, Mercenary Spies and Private Eyes. Wow, that's an old, another old game. Yeah. You guys de- going into the archives. Yeah, right? yeah. Now, <laughs> you know, you, you got to appreciate the classics, man. You just got it. I mean, Tunnels and Trolls, a lot of folks might, might not even know. That's the second oldest fantasy Yeah, it's old. Yeah, it came forget, out in like 1970. Uh, now, who wrote that, though? Rick Loomis. Oh, um, he actually wrote it. I believe so, yeah. Uh, he wasn't just a publisher, because I know... Uh, Larry Dettilio, he used to run that a lot. You know, that. I could be wrong. I, 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 Rick may have just been the, the publisher. It, um, I'm thinking of RuneQuest, too, though. 
That's old too. Yeah, that is old too. Not, not quite as old as Tunnels of Trolls. Right. Yeah, it was, D- it was Dungeons and Dragons, then Tunnels of Trolls. Yeah, yeah, because Tunnels. Yeah, I think you're right. Tunnels of Trolls was after Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I think uh, D&D was 71, and I think TNT was 74. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Something yeah. like that. But yeah, older than I am. <laughs> not by much, but enough. <laughs> no, I never, actually never. But I don't own the Tunnels of Trolls, honey. I don't know. That's I own, amazing. I own two copies, actually. I bought, <laughs> I bought one from Rick. Okay. Uh, at Dundercon last year. Oh, wow. So I actually got to meet him before he, before he passed, which yeah. is kind of nice. Uh, and then um, this last, uh, they had a Tunnels and Trolls convention in, in Phoenix. Phoenix, yes. Yeah. And uh, my, my buddy Tom Rafalski went to that. And my, my, uh, well, he passed away too, uh, Larry Tillo, he used to go there all the time. Yeah. And I said, and it's during the summer, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, you the, go to freaking Phoenix during the summer? Are, those he goes, crazy. And he used to tell me, he goes, go Saul. He goes, I just go straight from my airplane to the hotel, <laughs> and I never leave the hotel. <laughs> um, he goes, he goes. Phoenix in the summer is like 110 every day. So while, while, while Tom was there, they had a copy of the deluxe TNT book in, in the scratch and dent, and uh, he he managed to get it signed by the two de- uh, current developers. Oh wow! Me. So I, I have a signed copy of the of the most recent DTNT. And was book. it sixth edition? I think it's out. I or think fifth so. Edition? Fifth, fifth or sixth uh, edition? It's yeah. either fifth or sixth. Yeah, um, so I guess he, they just kept publishing it. I, I didn't know it was. I thought it was an old dense system, but obviously, what's still they're, they're still they, they, they're uh, as of a couple of years ago. They, yeah, I think they did a Kickstarter for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any dead systems. No, there's oh, some, I'm sure there there's are. There's, there's, I'm, there's, when was the last time you saw anybody playing Boot Hill? <laughs> Boot Hill, yeah. That's DSR too. I wonder if that's owned by by Wizards of the Coast. I think so. I think they picked up all of the uh, all the DSR old, properties. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, because uh, I'm sure they got the whole. Kid and Caboodle. We, we went to Comic Con a couple weeks ago in, in San Jose. Oh, that's cool. And um, yeah. we got to see Luke Gaiga. Oh, Luke Gaiga. He, oh, yeah. he ran a, um, a game, a live game. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Tomb of Horrors. Oh. <laughs> or, oh, or come on. Yeah. So, so, three people died in the first room. That's that is the dem, the, the gem in his daddy's hat. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and so and so they actually got to the, the you know the, the 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 room where it has that death the the demon mouth. Oh yeah. But I guess they had already nobody heard about that, right? They go, the yeah. Mouth. Nobody wanted to go. He goes, you put not. your hand in there, and it, and nobody goes, nope, nope, nope. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that was too famous. But some other things that weren't as famous, they they definitely fell. Hey, how's it going? Good. good. How are you doing? Good. Are you running a game? Yeah, right now. Oh, right yeah, now, right now. Yeah. All right, kids. Clock. Web of intrigue. I have to get running. All right. It was a pleasure stopping by and no, saying No, thanks hello. for coming by and stopping by and talking to us. Uh, hopefully your next guest is better than I was. <laughs> we, we're just at random. See, stopping anybody who wants to stop by. You talk. are our best guest. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was your first, wasn't I? <laughs> and best. Oh. <laughs> well, thanks for stopping by and giving right us some wisdom. It was good yes. talking to you. Always a pleasure, guys. Yes. All right. Have fun. Have some fun. Thank you. <laughs> I will. So that was Vern Roberts. That was the. Yeah, yeah. Sit down. Good evening. <laughs> so I'm Andrew Jackson Davis. I run a Star Trek Next Generation RPG. Yeah, you're really close to that thing. I yeah. run a Star Trek Next Generation RPG. Yeah. Uh, for teens and adults. So I've been running it at KublaCon for five years, and this is my first year here. So oh, pretty cool. Exciting. It's a great game. Too. Yes. Yeah. So that, I think we played in that one. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, you, you've run different, different, you've run different scenarios. Different so episodes, yes. yes, yes. So in this one, the Enterprise crew discovers that the Enterprise has been taken over by pirates, and they need to actually retake the ship. 
a good one. That, that, that sounds, sounds cool. fun. So that starts at seven. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What and this is a sweet event. I'm really enjoying the variety of games that are being played here. It's quite amazing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you still got like an hour to get into the mood. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where's your game at? Uh, it's over in uh, Monterey. Monterey. Okay. Yeah. All right. I see you. Well, maybe yeah. we'll sneak by and yeah. take Yeah, definitely come by. It's good to see you both. Yeah, it's good to see you. And you want to tell us about how you're doing? Or, or? Uh, well, I recently moved into a new uh, house. So oh, we wow. have a cooperative four-person gamer household, which is oh, pretty cool. fabulous. Wow. So we're playing Firefly and Star Trek Ascendancy and uh, <laughs> a lot of Dominion and things like but Star Trek that. Ascendancy is a board game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's cool. cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And, uh, so is everybody there like a science uh, fiction uh, yes. fan? Yeah, oh, okay. Totally. So everybody's in their element there. So we have there. movie nights on Wednesday night. Oh, you know, geez. We just watched Serenity, you know, the Firefly completely. Yes, yes, yes. Work, so. Cool. So, That's great. So the, uh, how big is your group? I, mean, I know you have four well, people. Four housemates. Oh, yeah? There's four other people that come. Oh, wow. Weekend, so. so a big group. Yeah. That's nice. And you, how often do you play? Uh, probably twice a month. Well, that's not bad. Yeah. You can't complain about those numbers. Yeah, it's in Willow Glen in San Jose. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right down the road. Yeah, yeah. we're we're on uh, Hamilton and South Masakino. Oh, that's great. And Campbell. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Nice to see you both. Nice yes, nice to see, to see you. We'll try to stop by. Yes. Yeah, yeah you run a great uh, Star Trek game. Absolutely wonderful Star yes. Trek game. Yeah, he's very... He's a Trekkie by... What? Which is a good thing. Yeah, to run the Star Trek game, you know, you kind of have to... I'm, I, you heard me tell the stories of me running Star Trek, and I got lambasted by my wife and son for not knowing enough Star Trek lore. And your friends. And my friends, yes. The tricky ones, anyway. <laughs> the dirty ones. Dirty. They're all dirty. What are That's you talking true. about? That's true. So it was good talking to Vern. Yes. And, uh, and Andrew. And Andrew. So we, did, we didn't get to start talking about anything else. We did talk about Protospiel, and we did talk. We were going to talk about uh, the what is it? The organized play. And but, we can talk about those tomorrow. And we're going to have to talk about those tomorrow because it's close to 6 o'clock. So if you're here tomorrow, we will be um, here from 11 to 1. 11 to 1. So stop by. Stop we're, by. Say hi. We're, we're right next right to the registration. Next to the registration there. And right across from the role playing HQ. Yes. Which is has a table. That's where you sign up for your role playing games. So, which it looks like we might have to go and sign up for the Star Trek game. Have a button. <laughs> Wear it proudly. I will. <laughs> yeah, then you go have it's a card. Cute. It's cute. So we have a podcast and we weekly podcast. So listen about role playing games. Where are you at? San Jose. Oh, yeah. or local? Well, three hours away. Oh, you're in Sacramento? North, north, no, north. Oh wow. Oraville. Oraville. Oh, Oraville. I grew up in Chico. Yes, yeah. I went to Chico State. Yeah. <laughs> I know Oraville. Yeah. So good, good to see you. That's a, how do you, how do you like your how's your, how's it going so far? Huh? Here. Oh, it's fine. We were here last night. <laughs> we had yeah, came down four of us. Okay. And, uh, so. Well, what's your favorite? What kind of games you play? Uh, mostly historical miniatures. Ah, uh, okay. But I got into uh, a board game this morning called Clank. Clank. That's where you don't make noise, right? Oh, no, you do make noise. You, you try not to make noise. <laughs> you wake noise. up the monster. Yeah, yes. you make up the monster the more you move. We have a great time. You have a good Thank time. You. So Orville's pretty close. Well, three hours away. Four. Well, yeah. Four. I don't four. know. Three hours. Well, three hours if, if you drive fast. If you drive like a and maniac. And there's no traffic to yes. get over the hill. 
I thought that by the hill, I mean the one going to. Well, actually, the coming Snow coming into town probably is not so bad. I don't know, heck, I don't know. Traffic traffic was bad all the time when it's this is true. rush hour time. This is true. So we're off now to go and find a game to play, yes. or at least to walk around and talk to people. So thank you for joining us for Gaming Perspectives live at well, lively recorded recorded yes. live. Something like that. Uh, hopefully, I'll publish this tonight as soon as I get home. I'll rush home and publish it. He will do that. <laughs> I have to edit just a little bit. But it was a great interview no, with uh, with Vern. Yeah. And, and we got to talk to you about Porter Spiel. So, yes. Um, if you're here tomorrow, come by at 11 to 1, and we'll be here again. Yes. So, this is Gaming's Perspectives with. Did I say it right? Go Here's ahead. Saul. You have to say yeah. your name first. <laughs> This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul, Angeline, and have a great day. And have a great day. Have a great Labor Day weekend. <laughs>